Good morning, Arizona homeowners. Why don't you come around back here with me and see who's outside in our landscape. Talking trees today, looks like. Mr. John Eisenhower is over there getting his uh, climbing ropes out, getting ready to do a little bit of fall pruning just before uh, you know, clipping off a little bit, a little fertilizing. What are, what are we going to specialize in our trees today? We have, uh, how about just a hammock and a nap? This is beautiful weather. I don't feel like working this is today. Really nice weather. Yeah, sat out at a little restaurant last night. Just beautiful out on the patio, and had a really good time. My son's in town visiting, and it was really nice to just hang with him for a little little bit. And couldn't have asked for a better night for that. Curiosity, what what patio? We were at the uh, 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 Pita Jungle. Hmm? Don't know that one. Scottsdale Road in Shea. Yeah, okay. they got a beautiful outdoor patio, and it's just great. What corner? Beautiful. Scottsdale Road in Shea. What corner? Uh, well, it's actually a little bit further east of Scottsdale Road on Shea, right by the Shea 14 Theaters. Okay. Yeah, they've got several little beautiful little restaurants in there. They really— Since uh, Mag's hand bun went out, <laughs> I, I haven't—and Chuck Wagon's gone from that that's intersection. A, I don't have a reason to go back there much. Yeah, yeah, Mag's <laughs> hand bun. That was a really fun place to go all the way back to high school days. Yeah, I, I enjoyed going to Mag's many, many times. Uh. Yeah, well, today we're talking about lots of uh, um, trees. Um, uh, native trees are kind of our focus today. You know, when we talk about our tree of the month, we often mix in some non-native trees because, as we all know, Arizona has this incredible climate uh, and a growing season, which is nearly year-round. Um, we have conditions for introduced species from around the world to do really well here. We have one of the largest plant plant palettes uh, anywhere in the world. And as a result of that, we have a lot of introduced species, non-native trees that do pretty well here. But that being said, if you really want to be assured of success when you plant a tree, uh, you can't go wrong with native trees. And there's several that come to mind right away. Our Persopus velatina is kind of a focus tree this morning. That's our, our velvet mesquite. Now, there's a lot of mesquite trees that are brought in from other parts of the world. The Chilean mesquite, the Argentine mesquite, those are the two very common ones you'll see in a lot of the nurseries. And they have, have particular qualities. They're very fast-growing trees. They have some hybrids of these trees that are incredibly fast-growing. So because they achieve their landscape purpose quickly, they're popular with the nurseries, they're popular with homeowners who want a tree that will uh, will achieve its uh, landscape purpose quickly. Um but there are some downsides to that. Some of those non-native trees are extremely fast-growing, sometimes outgrow their landscape purpose, and then all of a sudden you've got a monster, kind of a tiger by the tail, and they've got some other uh, structural issues with some of those trees, as opposed to the native trees. The native trees are a little more slow-growing. They achieve their landscape purpose uh, over, uh, require several more years to achieve their mature height and spread, than those native or those non-native uh, hybrid mesquites, but they have a really strong structure. The branch structures is, is um, uh, the the branch attachments are a little bit wider. As as a rule, they um, uh, they have a really a little more compact form, and I just think a, a more attractive appearance in some ways. Uh, we like to to recommend them if you just want to have a a uh, a, a problem-free tree because all of our native trees are adapted to our soil conditions. 
adapted to our weather conditions, don't have very, have very few natural pests as opposed to non-native trees, which tend to have a lot more insect and disease issues because they're just not quite as well adapted as the natives. The native trees, of course, have been here for millennia, and they just have learned to get along with Arizona. Uh, if you do plant non-native trees, and I'm not against that, there are some purists who really say you can only plant native trees. Um, uh, if you do plant non-native trees, uh, the, the caveat is be, be careful because there are some downsides. You need to know that those trees are not as well adapted as the native trees, and you could have some issues with disease problems and other things. So be sure to, to do, your bit of, do your research. Uh, be sure if you choose a non-native tree that you've uh, done a little bit of um, homework and, and make sure that it's uh, really well suited to our, our climate and soil conditions. one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE4U you if you'd like to talk to ISA-certified John Eisenhower, owner and founder of Integrity Tree Service here on our monthly Talking Trees broadcast and our outdoor living hour. You can text questions to 411-923 or send an email if you need help with a tree or insect identification to info at rosieonthehouse.com. I know we don't generally go to the calls this quick, but Jim Jim jumped on the line. He's been waiting for you. Let's, let's you get him go. in Absolutely. and see how we can help him this morning. Welcome to the program from Tucson, Arizona. Well, yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Listen, I've been noticing uh, huge worms, or caterpillars, I should say, on uh, our patio deck. And uh, these things are about the size of my ring finger and uh, bright green in color with a tan end that I presume is the head. And uh, they, uh, I, I think they're falling out of the live oak trees because I can't come up with any other reason. And then the other day I saw one crawling down the trunk of the live oak tree. And I've looked it up and uh, Googled it, and it seems to be something, or at least this is, this is as close as I can come, a polyphemus moth. And, but I can't find anything in the Butterflies of Arizona book, and I wonder if I'm on the right track, if I've got something to worry about or what. Yeah, that's a, a good question for the U of A Extension Office, you know, that they there's a several really good um, uh, 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 plant biologists who can probably uh, pinpoint that. That's really not my area of, of strength, um, but it's man, if that's that's a good size, um, good size uh, worm that, or caterpillar. There are several. Sometimes you know, seasonally, uh, depending on our rains that we've had uh, in the uh, in the prior monsoon. Can really give rise to um, some some insects um, that that do really well, but yeah, that sounds like a, a, a um, an issue if you have more than just a few. Uh, so you might want to you know kind of get a um, uh, get someone to identify what those are. Uh, Tucson Extension Office for yeah. U of A. We have they don't have a number on this one, but they got a number on this one. There's obviously offices all over yeah, the look state up of the, Arizona. Just look up the hotline for the Maricopa County U of A um, Agricultural Extension Office. And it's really nice to call in um, some of these identifications of insect uh, issues because they can get a pattern of calls that come in from across our different um, metropolitan areas. And uh, and you'll find that, that many others are, are facing some of the same issues. Uh, regarding um dealing with insects, generally uh, insect infestations are, are 
uh, are pretty short-lived. They, they come and they go. They, they, they you, you go through a life cycle um, of the, uh, that larval stage, and they pupate. They eventually emerge as a moth, uh, and they're generally not a threat to the environment. It's not something you need to start getting out insecticide. Um, you know, generally, as I said, because of our extreme temperatures in Arizona, they, they'll, um, they won't last much through a specific season. Uh, you know, with the hot weather or the cold, very cold weather, um, generally these insect problems will just um, uh, work themselves out. No need to get out the uh, insecticide and start spraying. Extension.arizona.edu. You can then hit directory, pick your county, and then the city in your county. Hit find now, and there's an entire directory. I've got direct numbers here for... Uh, the director, Dan McDonald. There's uh, Erica Alvanza, the instructional specialist. I mean, it's on and on. You have a huge resource right there that will help you identify. And then once we get to identify, we can put a strategy together on eliminating because it's a uh, a non-edible. Do we use a systemic insecticide? Right, or right. if it's not eating the tree, it's just living in the tree, that's not going to help. We've got to put a topical application on it. Or... It's not hurting anything. You just leave it alone. Yeah, just leave it alone. Usually they'll just run their course, and, and uh, they're part of the ecology, and birds will end up, um, you know, enjoying a, 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 a meal. And you know, be, before long, the, the environment has a way of kind of correcting those infestations. And uh, sometimes we have these huge infestations of caterpillars. I remember when they, got, they, they came in, you know, when I was a kid, and every, like, eight, six or eight years we'd have this huge um, – uh, infestation of caterpillars where there'd just be so many of them, hundreds and hundreds, they, they'd just be crushed all over the road. And these, that green <laughs> uh, goo would be all over the road surfaces when we'd ride in our bikes. And we'd collect them and put them in shoe boxes and bring them back to the house, hundreds of them. And, and, uh, and then we didn't realize that a uh, hundred caterpillars can push the top off of a shoe box. <laughs> and then we come back in it and they're all gone. And our moms were like, oh no, they're all over the house. <laughs> But yeah, they're not a big issue, though. They'll come and they'll go. There was a time, one of my first years in Whitman, where Patton Road, when it went goes through a wash right around about 230th Avenue, the caterpillars were, the, the road was almost completely orange because wow. there were so many that were just crossing there in the road traffic. Yeah. I mean, you could just sit back and look, and it looked like the whole ground was moving, and it's never <laughs> been that intense since then. And uh, like you said, it's just it, it's a cycle. There's some things in the desert that are on a one-year life cycle. There's some things that are, I think, on the, if I remember right, there's a particular insect, I can't remember, but it's on a 19-year life cycle that only comes out once every 19 years on average. It's, yeah, that's... That's that sounds about right. Yeah, we uh, uh, we were pretty fortunate to have lived through a couple of those when we were kids. It's pretty neat. Well, we'll continue our way through our October talking trees calendar. We have citrus fertilizing. We have evergreens planting. We have callers lining up at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. But we have a break right now. So we're going to go do that. When we get back, we'll pick it right up. You can go to itreeservice.com and click on tree calendar and follow along. Who's this, Gary? That would be uh, Chet Atkins and your favorite uh, guitarist, Mark Knopf. Huh? <laughs> 
seriously? This no, is no. That's Mark Knopfler, folks. That's the way he Well, we actually have a guitar picker here in studio. I don't know if you know that, but wow. John Eisenhower not only is a ISA certified arborist, but he, he does a little guitar picking, too, and he's put together a little, what do you, what do you call it, a parody? Uh, well, a, little, a little tribute. A, a tribute. It's a tribute it's song. It's a tribute song for Rosie, and he's brought his guitar and uh, it's for his 30th anniversary broadcasting coming up in 2018. So, I, I understand you're going to give us a little preview to this at the end of your at the end of the hour here. I am. I'm going to right. sing a couple of verses from that song that I wrote. It was uh, in in uh, preparation for the 30th anniversary coming up next year, and I put a pen to paper and and wrote a couple of verses for. Uh, for you and, and your dad. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing a little bit of that. I'm excited to get a little a little sneak peek here. But right now, we're here for you, the Arizona homeowner, one 767 4348 Greg and Santan, welcome to the program. Thank you. And your question? I have a couple of uh, uh, Texas ebony trees. They're 15 to 20 foot tall, beautiful trees. But I keep getting the sprouts coming up from the base of the trunk. And I'm wondering, is there anything I can do to prevent that? I mean, it's just a recurring thing. They're not coming up from the roots. It's coming up from the base of the trunk. Well, that's co- that's common to a lot of trees. And, they, you know, cosmetically, they can be a, a bit of a hassle. Um, you... And a little bit of a, yeah, just a little bit extra work because you've got to be trimming them back all the time to make that trunk look nice and clean. Uh, some people let them grow because they're they're contributing to the taper development of the trunk. They're actually, uh, as they photosynthesize, they carry sugars and starches back to their points of attachment and actually help the trunk to develop a caliper to get larger in diameter. So they have, a you know, actually a healthy contribution to the tree. A uh, lot of these desert trees are more shrub-based style as exactly. a protection they, they, method against the sun to their trunk. Yeah, and those are gro- exactly providing some shade and also um, a uh, protection from uh, from animals coming in and either climbing or chewing on the bark. So that those are kind of a protective measures. But of course, if they're in the landscape and you want a more a more a cleaner looking tr- trunk, you know, often people have to trim those down. If you want to, there's one other option besides physically removing them with uh, your pruning equipment, is to apply a plant growth regulator. There are some um, products available. They're basically a hormone, uh, that horm- natural hormones that are found actually in, in plants themselves. And these chemicals are derived from those plant hormones. They apply them to those sprouts, and it causes the sprouts to stop growing, uh, but it, it directs the uh, uh, it, it, the, it, the tree then directs its energy more to the development of the, the root system rather than to the top growth of the tree. So there are some uh, chemical applications you might want to look into. You can contact our company if you'd like to and speak to our plant health care director, Sarah Maitland, uh, by just going to itreeservice.com and, um, and send us a little email with those, that request, and Sarah can get in touch with you and discuss the details. We appreciate the call. I... <laughs> I guess this is a public service about the announcement. I'm looking at our text. We've got a question here from uh, Renee in Queen Creek. But above that, it says, high-speed chase at Broadway and 6th Street. We use the station <laughs> texting <laughs> technology during the broadcast. It's 411-923. You can text in. So if, if you're around Broadway and 6th Street, no, there's a high-speed chase. It may be a 
thrown off traffic a yeah, little bit. Pray for protection of our uh, highway patrol <laughs> officers and police. It looks like Renee has also called in as well as texted. So let's let's take the call and get a little more detail about her live vote. Welcome to the program, Renee. Hi. Sorry, I didn't know which way I'd get through. We've been having such a problem. I tried both. Well, I'm glad you're here. What can we do for your live oak tree? So we planted a live oak tree in our backyard uh, three years ago, and it just really hasn't grown much. It's, uh, it doesn't seem to do well. It, it, it's hanging on. It's green every year, but it doesn't get any bigger. Um, we've had a couple actually other things in that part of the yard that just do okay. So we don't know if it's a watering issue, if it's a, you know, like a drainage issue, if it's a soil issue. It just it just doesn't seem to be doing much of anything. And uh, our neighbor planted one in their backyard um, about the same time frame, and theirs is way bigger great. than ours. So we're just trying to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, I know that you're you're not alone in, with that same concern. You know, many people put a plant in their yard and it languishes and uh, just sits there and does very little uh, where a, a tree across the yard or in the neighbor's yard is doing beautifully. And sometimes you planted your tree because you saw theirs and you're just wishing yours could do the same. And um, and a lot of times it's not neighbor to neighbor. You could plant two trees in right, your own yard and one will be great and one will yeah, suffer. Yeah, it's true. Well, there are some common things that we do see with trees that sit and don't do much, but they're still alive. There's a, a couple of common uh, concerns. And you know, without seeing your tree, of course, I can't really tell you what it is. But... Um, often trees can be planted too deep. Even a couple inches too deep in the soil can cause the roots to be too deep for um, adequate oxygen. And that could just be a planting issue at the time of planting. They might have just been set set in the soil a little too deep. And then you bring some finished uh, landscaping soil over the top of the root ball, and it really provides a a cap to the oxygen that, that the root zone needs. So if that's the case, um, look at the trunk of your tree. If it disappears into the soil like a cliff into water uh, and you realize, oh, my goodness, the, the, root, the actual root zone is, a lo- is quite a ways down lower, dig down around the trunk of the tree and see if that, that, those roots are too deep in the soil. If they are, pull that soil out and give the tree a little oxygen and it might just revive it and get you back on the road. Thank you for the okay, call, Renee. We appreciate Thank it. You. you have a great Arizona weekend and good luck with that live Southern Oak. It's a... Uh, great tree and it does great in the desert so i'm sure we can help you get it a little bit bigger and bolster like you like well i'm very curious about this song coming up because you have shared in the past your guitar heroes eric clapton is this uh is this a Clapton riff is it uh is this, or is it a twangy riff is it a chet atkins type is it a uh, Mark Knopf, is what what type of style, or is it a Wayland style? A little bit of country twang in it. This is a traditional song. Okay. That everyone will recognize. The tribute song is written to the tune of a traditional song. Okay. You'll have to wait. Oh, you're killing me, killing <laughs> me, Smalls. <laughs> it's gonna be good. <clears throat> A quick follow-up to our last caller, and then we've got Greg, It's fu- or George, excuse me. There is certain things that just happen when we take a topic. If, you, if we take a call on plumbing, the next 50 calls are going to be on plumbing. There's just things that spark nerves. Sure. 
a lot of times citrus in this hour will spark that nerve. I've never seen the oak tree spark a nerve like it has today. We're going to go to a, another call with uh, uh, George who has an oak tree, but you had some follow-up for our yeah, last, just that last Renee call. and Queen and Creek. By the way, the oak tree is an amazing tree. It is so widely distributed across the U.S., and I'm so glad it's being used widely here in the Valley. Uh, it's all through the desert southwest. You know, It's called the Texas live oak or the southern live oak. It's Quercus virginiana. It's, uh, uh, like I said, it goes all the way through the south and to the east, southeast part of the, the United States. Uh, but it's so well adapted to our, our climate here. Uh, very durable, bulletproof, uh, really strong tree, not prone to breakage. Grows a little sl- more slowly than some of the other trees, kind of like our native trees, uh, uh, some of the other trees that are available at the nurseries. But it achieves its landscape purpose when it does. It's, it's very low maintenance. Uh, I, I just like them for so many reasons. But uh, the slow to, growers can be the hardiest. They're they're putting wood on more slowly, so the wood tends to be stronger. Uh, but I wanted to uh, uh, give a shout out to my uh, brothers and sisters across the arborists across the, the the valley and across the state of Arizona. And uh, there, if you have a, a diagnostic question that's difficult for us to answer on the radio, there are arborists all around your area who can come and go get on site uh, and do some investigative work. And uh, an evaluation of your of your tree problem, and really drill drill down and find out what what you're facing. If you have, um, um, if you can get online, go to a very simple tree uh, uh, tree um, website to remember by going to treesaregood.org. Treesaregood.org, and right on that landing page, you'll find a, a link to f- uh, finding a certified arborist in your area. Put in your zip code. It directs. It will give you the certified arborist closest to you, and then you can select one or two and have them come out, uh, and uh, y- you can, uh, you know, get get those questions answered. But I just wanted to give a shout out to the arborists across the state of Arizona. A lot of great arborists, uh, friends and colleagues of mine who uh, you can trust uh, that they've had the uh, knowledge that that they need to be able to look at your tree problems and and and, f- and get to the bottom of them and, and get you a give you a management plan going forward. Treesaregood.org. O-R-G. You got that. <laughs> That's catchy. I like that. All right. That's a great website, by the way. You'll, I'm, you'll, I'm, find, you'll find yourself uh, 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 going to other, other parts of that website because it's got some great consumer information on trees. Uh, it's, one of, it's, a, it's sponsored by the International Society of Arboriculture, and it's it's one of our go-to websites that we recommend to all of our cu- our customers because it's so um, uh, consumer friendly. <clears throat> Very good. We appreciate the tip, and we are looking for certified arborists for Tucson. If you are in that market and you're looking to join the Rosie on the House Network or increase and expand your business and the quality of lead source, uh, Tucson arborists, we have an opening. Let's bring George into the program. Wants to talk about his oak tree. Welcome. Yeah, and in June I planned this the acorn, and it's three feet high already. Wow! Is that normal growth? That's 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 encouraging. That's really encouraging to be able to grow an oak tree from an acorn. Sometimes they're difficult. They're difficult to propagate. They're difficult to grow. So yeah, you're lucky. You've got a. Well, a... I got it growing in wood mulch. Oh, good for you! Good and for it you. Just, it seems to love it. Yeah, it's that sounds great. A, a, a three three feet in a year—that's that's awesome. You should have a a, a well-established tree in a very short time. So, 
Yeah, good for well, you. I appreciate the information. You bet. Well, thank you for the call. And something like that, where it's three feet, I mean, it, it's very thin. It's very straight. Mm-hmm. It's not going to continue on that growth pattern or speed. I mean, it, as the tree becomes bigger, it's not going to be able to, to, to keep up with that right. faster and, growth. Well, a, a, the, the saying is, as go the roots, so go the shoots. Um, that, that shoot development is all a function of, of good soil conditions. Um, and, and if you have a nice, well-drained um, soil that has available nutrients, and that root system is developing quickly, boom, that top growth will really uh, respond and take off. And so make sure you're keeping that, that, that rooting environment healthy. Uh, that's, that's our main, you know, improving the soil conditions, and, and the rest will take care of itself. And that is a factor when he goes to transplant it obviously it's not going to be in a wood mulch at the transplant you're going into the desert clays it's going to hit much harder ground to grow in what's the proper way to then introduce that to you know uh, a, a transplanted I, or could you keep it you, know, you can't keep it at wood mulch forever well i think he he probably germinated it in the wood mulch and then he's already tr- it sounds like he's already put it in the landscape he's already planted it out but yeah, there's there's a, some techniques on how to uh, grow trees from um, uh, from seed, and acorns can be pretty particular. They have to be uh, the seed needs to offer, or the acorn needs to be scarified, and there's some some techniques involved in trying to get those to grow. Some uh, nurseries uh, around the state specialize in in oak production, and it's not one of the easiest um, propagation uh, or trees to propagate. So. If you've done that in your backyard, good for you. That's an awesome, awesome uh, uh, accomplishment. <laughs> we appreciate the call and enjoy that tree. In a couple of years, you'll have something you can put a hammock underneath and take a little nap on a warm, sunny day. Yeah, uh, I've just had a – do we have time to talk about a couple of other October tree tips real quick? Let's do it. Okay. Um, just be, be uh, alerted, even though we've had 95-degree temperatures these last several weeks. Um, uh Temperatures will drop, and when they do, you, you need promise. to promise. Yeah, they will. <laughs> they will drop, um, and one of these days we're going to be. Uh, and, and people sometimes get a little uh, lulled to sleep and forget to prepare. Uh, often there's a run on frost cloth, and our nurseries and hardware stores are you know may not have you know frost cloth available. So get you know go ahead and, and stock up now. Get what you need to cover your your shrubs and your small trees, and and get ready for that because that's around the corner. Um, People ask me all the time, well, is, is it okay to prune trees at this time of year? As a rule, as we're heading into winter, any frost-sensitive trees, you want to be pretty careful and, and a little more judicious with your pruning uh, because you don't want to take off their winter coat as they're heading into the colder weather. Uh, you uh, Also, the new growth that's going to emerge if you prune today, you'll have some new growth that will actually emerge, and that juvenile growth on, on the trees uh, it doesn't have time to harden off before the, the frost cl- comes. So that, that young growth is uh, more vulnerable to frost damage uh, a month or so from now. So just be careful. You can, uh, your more vigorous trees, your evergreens, uh, can be pruned uh, quite safely right now. If you, uh, but we should probably be doing a little bit of end weight reduction, a little bit of shaping, but not a lot of interior um, uh, pruning, heavy interior pruning at this time of year because, again, you want our trees to head into the winter with their full winter coat uh, and, and ready to transition into the spring. 
This is also citrus. Are we too late? You know, again, citrus are are one of those frost-sensitive trees. You need to be reducing the dosage of pruning as we get further into the winter. This is about at the end of our our pruning cycle for citrus. I wouldn't be doing a whole lot other than some minor grooming uh, just to improve the shape. Uh, But definitely no heavy pruning um, on citrus and other frost-sensitive trees right now. How do we know when the fruit is ready? Well, you have to look up your fruit to really know when the the optimum time is for fruit development. We have uh, the sweetening of citrus fruit is not a function of color. Color is is really a uh, function of temperature drops. So even though fruit starts to ripen and you get that beautiful uh, color being be, uh, uh, display, it doesn't. It's not an indication of of fruit sweetness. So look them up. Because we have citrus like our, our navels, uh, which are, are, are ready to, to eat as early as December. And then we have some of our Arizona sweets and Valencias, which are, are ripening later and are, are at their optimum uh, picking time uh, later in the spring. So even, even in the, into the summer. So you need to look up your variety online and, and find out, what, um, first of all, what you have and then when the optimum time is for picking the fruit. Lemons, for instance. They go yellow uh, in December as soon as the temperatures drop. But lemons, you know, if you can keep them on the tree, they're going to get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter all the way into uh, uh, late spring, early summer. So, you know, uh, remember that if you can leave your trees on, uh, your fruit on, whatever it is, your grapefruit, for instance, um, we'll we'll be eating grapefruit in in January, February, but it's going to be pretty tart. Um, but if you can keep our grapefruit on, we'll be eating it as late as maybe May and June. You can't leave it on too long or it'll dry out or it'll get funky. And, and it, they'll, uh, there's a, a point at which you, of diminishing returns as well where you, you can't be eating the fruit too late into the summer. But the longer you can leave it on the tree, uh, the better. It's going to uh, be sweeter as you go. Do you have more points or you want to go to the calls? I did want to just mention okay. one other thing. If you're planning to put up holiday lights, uh, you know, be sure that you're uh, being careful of your trees because I have a lot of people that wrap the, the Christmas lights on the trees. And if you're planning to leave them more than a season, as the branches get larger in diameter, they'll start to girdle those branches. And they'll be really hard to get the lights out, really bad, hard on the tree, too, because the, you're going to constrict the flow of water and nutrients uh, in the branch by the uh, uh, that 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 constriction caused by the the lights um, if you can wrap them lo- loosely um, and better it's really nice if you could take them off I know it's a lot of work to take them back off every year but if you do leave them on you run the risk of them starting to girdle those branches we've had trees that have, have been cut off the nutrients have been cut off altogether you get branch die back and and it makes it really hard to trim the trees too we've had a, some customers with lots of Christmas lights and it's really difficult to get up in there and try to trim the trees. Uh, with all the lights in there. So there's another uh, method of attaching the lights to the branches, you know, using a, a green plastic landscape tape or, or possibly even zip ties. Uh, that way you can uh, quickly take them all off at the end of the season and then run your branches out the length of the branch rather than wrapping the branch, just run them along the length of the different branches and it makes it a lot easier to uh, uh, put them up and take them down. The city of Prescott, they have, I don't know how many of their trees they light, but their courthouse square is 180 trees strong. And I think they usually do about half. Well, and I know they'd like to get eventually to, I think their goal is to, to wrap every tree at some point. But uh, what I mean, it, they start in October. 
mm-hmm. to have it ready for the Christmas parade and Christmas tree uh, courthouse lighting, which is always the first Saturday in December. It takes them two months to wrap, I, and they I keep them on until January, and by March they've got them all back got down. Them back I mean, down it, again. Well, I'm glad they take <laughs> them off every year. But it's, it's an investment, but wow, it's, it's an amazing display when our trees— not only does it um, give you this light display, but it just lights up the trees. It's an incredible uplighting, so you see all the branch structure of the trees. and Yeah, it's, it's worth the investment. It's a lot of fun. Louis, Cecilia, we'll come to you after the break, and we're going we're, we're gonna to get to your song? Yeah. How gonna, much time do you need? I need about two minutes. All right. Minutes. I mean, I'll, I'll check the clock and go backward and set an alarm to give you two minutes to wrap up the hour with a tribute song to Rosie. He's testing me back there, John. You know that. Gary's testing me. <laughs> I, I bet I, you this is a famous guitarist, and I should know it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think we need to clear the air about something. Hold on one second. This is Mark Knopfler. Uh, a couple of shows ago, you you said Mark Knopf, and uh, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, it's Knopfler. Knopfler, sorry. And he's up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Dire Straits this year. Uh-huh. Okay. I hope he gets in. He, he, he's well-deserved. I love the soundtrack to Wag the Dog. It's one of my favorite CDs. Love that. You know, you had mentioned Eric Clapton, and I've I do I don't listen to Eric Clapton a lot solo, but his album with BB uh, King, Riding with the King, mm. his album with um, Road to Escondido with with Come on, JJ Kale. Mm. With Jay, I mean his, I, I guess you call it duet albums. Yeah, I, I, they're 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 really special. They are, yeah, especially BB King. So, That's really a great great album. Riding with the King. All right, let's get to, back to our calls. <laughs> we'll hear John's uh, tribute song here shortly, but we're going to take care of Lewis and Cecilia first. Welcome, Lewis. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I'm a neighborhood volunteer, senior citizen. Uh, this summer's been especially harsh on the vegetation with the lack of a monsoon in central Phoenix. I live about a mile from the VA hospital. I reported over 50 large pine trees to the city preservation office that have just dried up this summer. And I'm, I'm wondering uh, if it's reaching a point where pine trees will... I'm talking about large pine trees. I reported over 50 that have dried up this summer. In I keep a notebook in the front seat of my vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, will it reach a point where pine trees can no longer grow in Phoenix unless they're in an irrigated yard? Well, it's a good question. It's, it's caused um, the, pine, the death of pine trees across the valley this uh, last year has had a lot of people scratching their heads. The universities are doing research, and there's independent research going on trying to determine what the, the cause of it is, um, if it's uh, environmental or if it's uh, you know a, a pathogen, a virus, bacterial. Um, uh, but we, we had a, a similar, about 15 years ago, uh, we had a similar uh, 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 problem with pine trees across the valley and a lot of pine death. Uh, and it, it seemed to come and go. And uh, again, there was, there was a, a, a mite that was involved, an insect that was uh, involved, but they weren't certain if the insect was feeding on a fungal a pathogen that was active in the trees. We didn't know which, was, uh, which came first. And 
There was a, a lot of, but by the time the the research, um, the uh, the monies can be put toward the research, uh, the problem cleared up, <laughs> and the, you know there was a there was some there was some uh, death. Again, these are non-native trees, which over you know the the course of a century, uh, just you know oh. ha- can can have some problems. So anyway, hang yes. on. Generally, we wouldn't stop, but we're we, going to stop. We'll <clears throat> cover a little bit more about pine trees next. Talking oh. tree segment November. Cecilia, hang tight. We'll finish your question on air. But Mr. John Eisenhower, ISA certified arborist, owner of Integrity Tree Service. You can find more at his website, itreeservice.com. But he is shifting into John Eisenhower, guitar hero, and he's got a little tribute song he put together for Rosie's 30th anniversary. He's going to give us a little tiny preview here. Take it away. Here we go. <laughs> See if you can recognize this tune. <laughs> Oh, give me a home where dear Rosie and Romy have advised some homeowners to wait till a qualified team can assist with their dream of a wonderful first-class estate. Home, home for a change where a true craftsman's skills are displayed where you'll never fear that a shyster is near and the customer's happy all day oh give me a home where dear rosie and romy have suggested a diy trick Because should I make a colossal mistake, there's a certified partner to pick. Home, home for a change, where a true craftsman's skills are displayed, where you'll never fear that a shyster is near. And the customer's happy all day. Home, home for a change. Where a true craftsman's skills are displayed. Where you'll never fear that a shyster is near. And the customer's happy all day. Bravo! You put this guy on the payroll. 